This is Design Safe Radio, where natural hazards researchers strive to make our society more resilient to everything nature throws at us. How can people get involved with the EER work? Because it's, it's, you don't have to get a PhD to be in an EER. I'm a member of STEER, level three, uh, you know, but... Uh, you know, I've got a lowly bachelor's degree. Um, and so citizen scientists can get involved um, with the EERs and, and, you know, be involved on Slack and, and really, that's been one of my favorite things with being involved in this community is you get the real deal experts who are going out into the field and it's not just what gets posted on the Weather Channel. It's people who really know their stuff like Forrest Masters and David Pravat and all those guys and, and gals from University of Florida when, whenever a hurricane is coming. It's really, really amazing. So how can people get, get involved and what can they expect? Yeah, that is a great question. And so I think what I would say is heading to the Converge website because that's the one place where we have links to all of the EERs and their respective web pages because each one has their own web page and again a slightly different way of uh, what does membership or joining or getting involved look like and so if you just go to converge.colorado.edu and then click on there's a research networks tab that's where you can then go and and find which of the research networks seems right to me and some people like you said dan um they it, it may be uh, academics, it may be people from private uh, research firms who get involved, it may be people from gov government scientists, oh, yeah. and, and so forth. And so there are people from lots of different backgrounds who got involved with the EERs, and then um, you can really figure out, like, what does membership look like, what does communication look like, based on the one that is most appropriate, given your expertise. And some people are members of more than one. We know that we have lots of joint gear and steer members mm -hmm. for example so um yeah so it's it's great and i hope that people will go and check out these different platforms because um I, again it's just been really interesting to see how each one is sort of going in its own direction yeah. but also what what is the what are the core values that are really bringing these groups together mm -hmm. and even just to to follow along with what they're doing because all of us if whether we live in an area that's prone to extreme events or not we probably know somebody who is like i live in indiana but i've got friends who live in texas and florida and gulf coast and things and they're they know me as the, the guy with the data on the extreme events like oh there's a hurricane coming do i need to evacuate like okay pay attention to your local people first but here's the stuff that i know from you know the guys who are out there with the the wind measurements and they're you know they're here and this is what they're seeing and so you can add that to your your data uh, I, that's I amazing in, <laughs> i think it was hurricane harvey i had a friend whose dad was in beaumont and we were able to from i can't remember if it's forest masters or one of those guys but they were sharing measurements from usgs water level sensors and those are pretty you know granular in certain areas and we could tell them okay He's in this neighborhood pretty close to this sensor and the water is going to go up this high and then it's going to peak so if he can stay in his house until it comes down like he'll be okay but if not he should get out and it was like really amazing the level of data that these um reconnaissance networks are connected to that's extremely helpful 
Yeah, absolutely. And what a powerful example. And that, Dan, that was making me think to something I've been really inspired with um, that Steer has been doing in terms of their really their commitment to data sharing, but also something that has been really inspiring is looking and seeing how Steer is also, they recognize, you know, it can take um, years <laughs> to change the building code, for example. And so they're also trying to think about how can we do this sort of bottom up mitigation efforts? How can we make a change sooner rather than later, not waiting for the code mm -hmm. to change, but what are other ways that we can put that data to use? And so I love your example of, you know, it may be a friend calling you, but sort of on that grander scale, what can these EERs do in terms of um, promoting data, data sharing, both to advance research, but also perhaps uh, within collaboration with federal partners, mm -hmm. um, in collaboration with local communities, how can this data that we have make a difference in the near term as well as in the longer term in terms of really trying to reduce the harm and suffering that's caused by disasters, which is the ultimate goal of yeah. NERI. Yeah, it's <laughs> really amazing to see how laser focused the, the network is and, and with the introduction of Converge, now we've got a very <clears throat> systematized, intentional way of bringing together those disparate uh, expertises into you know, common language and backgrounds uh, so that we can all become a better team together. It's really amazing. Um, thank you so much for being here, Lori. It's always just such a joy to get to chat with you. Um, if you're listening now and have never been to the Natural Hazards uh, Conference that uh, Lori and her team put on, whenever they happen again in person, put it on your bucket list um, and just go go up and say hi. Uh, she's one of the most friendly people you'd ever meet. So um, make sure that you, you take advantage of that. And any, anything else you want to point people to resource-wise that uh, folks can connect with your team on? Great question. And thank you for that plug. And we are... So hopeful. So as Dan was saying, for uh, this was our 47th annual Natural Hazards Workshop this July. So wow. for the last 47 years, the Hazard Center at the University of Colorado Boulder has had this honor of, or, or excuse me, it was our 46th. Next summer will be our 47th. But for 46 years, we have had the honor of organizing this big annual Natural Hazards Workshop that brings together researchers and practitioners and policymakers in the last two years due to the pandemic. So our 45th and our 46th were both online, but we're hopeful the 47th, which will be July 10th through 13th of 2022, will be back in person. And we would love to have you back in Boulder oh, and man. your yes. other friends. I know. And Dan, so I thank you for the final question about anything else I'd like to share. So a couple of things I would love to put a plug in for about Converge and, and some of the resources that we have, because we have really, over the last couple of years, a lot of our time and effort at Converge has been de dedicated to doing exactly what you just said, Dan, of trying to figure out how do we develop resources knowing that the hazards and disaster field is relatively event-driven. So how do we get some of those baseline resources that can help us 
to do better science. So we're not just sort of relearning the same thing over and over. What are what is the base information that anybody new to this field might need to have? And so one of our big things that we work on through Converge is we've developed a series of training modules that are free online, take about 30 to 60 minutes to complete. And we now have eight of them mm. that are live with two more that'll go live this fall semester. And so I, one thing I just love to say to your listeners is please check those out. They're on a variety of topics, everything from social vulnerability and disaster to cultural competence. How do you develop oh, wow. it? to broader ethical considerations for hazards and disaster research, which is something that all of us, regardless of our discipline, it's really important to think about the ethics of the work we do. And so we have training modules on those and several other topics. So I wanted to send send listeners there. And then also we've been developing a series of short graphical check sheets that summarize um, some of the core principles of doing social science as well as interdisciplinary research. And those you can download again for free. They're PDFs. They're, they really are short. They're usually one, two, three pages. And they're meant to get at a variety of different topics like how do you do a lit review? How do you do surveys? How do you do focus groups or mm. in-person interviews? How do you develop um, cultural rapport in communities. And here, here's a short briefing sheet and resources to help you. So that's second thing. And then third thing I'll say, and the last thing that I'd love to point users to is one of the things that Converge did when the, that went really early on with the onset of the pandemic in the U.S., we actually put a call out for COVID-19 working groups that, um, in the end, we ended up funding 90 of these working groups that involved over 1,300 researchers from around the world. And given our commitment to convergence research, one of the requirements that I put in place for the working groups is they had to involve three, a minimum of three disciplines. And so these Mm. working groups, extraordinary, they focus on, as, as your listeners know, there's no aspect of our social world that's gone untouched by this pandemic. And so those 90 working groups focus on a range of topics, everything from vaccine hesitancy to different communities that have been differentially affected to economic recovery and so forth. And so the 90 groups focus on a range of topics and the one deliverable that they all required to produce was a research agenda. And so we actually have all these research agendas up on the Converge website that as the pandemic continues to evolve and continues to upend lives, that we hope those research agendas can really be of use to multidisciplinary and interdisciplinary research teams that are looking at the pandemic, but also we have a series of groups that are looking at compound and cascading hazards. And so looking Mm. at wildfire pandemic, hurricane pandemic, and so forth. So I'd love to encourage your readers to check their listeners to check those out too. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Design Safe Radio. This show is sponsored by the National Science Foundation grant number 1612144. You can subscribe to Design Safe Radio on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find your podcasts. Please leave us a review so we can improve the show. Please also help others find our episodes in iTunes. Thanks for your feedback and support. You can find out more about Nary at designsafe-ci.org on Facebook at Design Safe Radio, or on Twitter at Nary Design Safe.